Hello and welcome back to another episode of our Generation On Air. My name is Alex Budimore and this week I am joined by Steve Bernard, who you all know better as uh, Analytics QPR on Twitter. So Steve, welcome back. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, no worries, Alex. Really good to be here. I think the last time you appeared on one of these, uh, Neil Critchley might have still been our manager. So plenty of uh, changes since then. It's hard to keep up, isn't it? Um, yeah, so I think it was after the whole match where um, <laughs> I think we were basically saying how we thought Neil Critchley should be given a lot more time and um, and uh, the idea of changing manager would be ludicrous. Um, it just shows you how uh, quickly things have unravelled. Um, yeah. yeah, in such a short space of time. It's strange, isn't it? Because uh, it kind of gets to a point, it got to a point with Critchley, I wasn't quite sure whether to stick or twist. And I guess in the end, um, you know, maybe they made the right decision in sort of like you can't let some you can't just let something happen without taking some action. But when you do that, you're only available to select from sort of the dregs of what no one else wants, really, aren't you? And 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 if not that, then someone who's absolutely bonkers enough to come and leave another job and take this one on, which is uh, Gareth Ainsworth in this situation. So whilst you're on and you haven't sort of voiced an opinion on him on the podcast, how how do you think it's gone? I mean, it's not gone well, but how you know is there any sort of mitigation around the situation for him? Um. Well, it's a really tough one, isn't it? If you talk to people um, about the managerial change, I mean, it's quite interesting. I was having a beer with a couple of people before yesterday's game. And, um, you know, the question came up, were we right to get rid of Critchley? And, and, you know, there were people offering an opinion saying, actually, maybe we got rid of him too soon. And you can see that in some of the commentary on West London sport and, uh, and more and more of this doing the rounds on social media. I think it's really it's it's easy with hindsight to obviously say they perhaps acted too um, quickly, but I remember being at the Sunderland game, uh, which was his last game at Loftus Road, and it was very clear at that point that the um, the players were not they were not interested in being there anymore, and they certainly weren't playing for him. And you know, it's it's like what I what we said when I was last on. It's it much of this is a player mentality issue that's that's sort of unravelled over the last um, few months, and um, and I think people have just got to remember when they when they talk about whether Critchley should have gone um, or should he have stayed. You know, yeah, it's like with anything, um, you can only judge by what happens afterwards. Uh, it's a bit like with Mark Warburton, isn't it? it is was Mark Warburton uh, was the decision to move him on? Um, the right one looked like it in October. Doesn't look like it at all now. It's it's just really difficult to to make a fair judgment on it. Um, as you say, the new managers come in. We didn't have a, a huge list of options in terms of who was going to succeed Critchley, and we've obviously gone for the easy option. And I'm sure it wasn't an easy option for for Gareth to leave Wickham. Um, with everything he'd done there and the time he'd spent there. But for me, it was very, um, it's just a too easy option for the board. And I'm always wary when um, 
it's not just QPR, but when any football club goes for what, what you could term as the easy option. And, um, you know, what was the process in terms of interviewing other candidates? Was there even a process or was this simply we need to get somebody in who's going to um, get the fans on side and, um, you know, start putting us, you know, make sure we go in the right direction? It's not gone well. It's quite obviously not gone well. Uh, the numbers bear that out. The numbers are even worse than they were under Neil Critchley. Very difficult to find mitigation for that because it's essentially the same group of players um, that have been available uh, during his time, as was the case with Critchley. The big problem for Ainsworth is um, the style of football. As people have said, it, it, it's great when it works. If you're getting wins, people can people can swallow it. Reality is we're not getting wins. We've we've won one game in um, in the time he's been here. We've got uh, what five points in total out of about ten games, I think it is. The underlying statistics are absolutely dreadful. Um, you know, if you gave him a window, could he turn it around? I don't doubt that, but I'm sure Neil Critchley could have turned it around with a, with a couple of windows. But um, very difficult to see anything positive from it, really. Um, and it's a shame. It's, it's a real shame that it's kind of. Um, gone the way it has really but um yeah that's that's my kind of overview i think we've just got to be let's not fall into the hindsight trap i think i think we could have all said neil critchley had done his time problem is there wasn't a rigorous process afterwards and we are where we are you know yeah i mean the thing is as well as like if we took time over the sacking and then sort of like left it a week, two weeks, three weeks, all of a sudden all these games are going by. And, you know, at that point we were in a, we were and still are in this sort of relegation fight. So it was a case of move quickly or don't move at all. Possibly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and, and Ainsworth was willing to step into the job. I said on this podcast a couple of weeks ago, I just cut down on the sand why he would do it. <laughs> it's a, obviously a massive sort of like love the club. And, you know, as with most things in football there's probably a bit of ego there to think yeah I could be the one to turn that around but you know at the same time oh god what a poor piece of judgment yeah I think like I, and do you know what I don't mind the ego I, I you know you you, you probably you need it don't you leader. yeah you want your leader and he is the you know yes there's a CEO the director of football and all that the manager is still at, at almost every football club in this country, the, the face of the club, the, you know, the leader of the club. I know that's sort of changed somewhat over the last uh, 20 years or so. But but bottom line is it's the manager who fronts up after the games and he, he is the leader um, of that group of players. So I don't mind the ego side of it. Um, yeah, he probably thought there was a bit of bit of him. Probably thought he'd done he'd done as much as he could with Wickham. They were flirting with the playoffs in League One, but no guarantee they would have got in there. Um, uh, I just, I just, I just think I, I, I kind of get why he took it. It's more um, for us just going for easy options, and it um, it provides fodder for people to come up with conspiracy theories about well, they've done it to take take the heat off themselves. You know, the owners have appointed him to take the heat off was probably true <laughs> so yeah um, i think there's there is a slight sort of pr aspect behind it isn't it because in theory that first game everyone's going to be behind him because he's gareth ainsworth and what he's done before so like you know if it works it, it works really well but and, and i just i just i just pick up on something you also said about um that we we're already in a relegation fight at that point i mean i think that's 
slightly debatable. I think I think we've been in, I mean, we're definitely in a poor run of form. Yeah, got no doubt about that. But um, you know, eight points clear in the relegation zone. You know, I'm, I'm, and that was before anyone was given points deductions. I think it's not unreasonable to say that, given that four of the games Ainsworth has had were against Blackpool, Birmingham, Rotherham, Wigan. I don't think it's unreasonable to assume that we'd have actually picked up a point in any of those games. And um, it's going to be a live debate. I think this is going to be the problem for him going forwards, you know, regardless of what happens this season, is that there will be an argument made, which is, well, we were, we were in poor form, but we weren't really in a relegation dogfight. That can be debated, but... I think we were we drifting to towards it, though. It wasn't... It was going that way. And it kind of, like, if you take yourself back to when... Uh, like that Sunderland game, and then I think was his last game the Middlesbrough game away. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You just I had no no confidence. I don't have any confidence now, but you just knew we weren't winning. And if we got a draw, it would be a minor miracle. I no, I, yeah, I, I take the point, totally take the point. And I think I, and I'm not trying to suggest we weren't in a, yeah. a really poor place, but I, but I, but you, but the way um, Ainsworth is framing this now was um, well. Staying up would be a miracle. Um, you know, relegation isn't the end of the world, all of this kind of stuff, of framing it as some kind of heroic escape from this point. Well, from this point, yeah, perhaps. But um, from the point at which he took over, not sure I buy that. Um, but, you know, each to their own on that. It would be relief, uh, if anything, come the end of the season, if we do stay up. It wouldn't be sort of like a grand celebration on the final day. There might be a bit cheering. And then I imagine people will sort of like just slowly leave the ground quite quietly. Oh. I can't, don't think there'd be many people staying to clap the players off at the there end. There shouldn't or... be, but, but don't rule it out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there shouldn't um, be. We'll see. I just, you know, I don't really like the championship. I absolutely despise watching any other game that doesn't have QPR in it, but I'd r- much rather be in the championship than League One. Just oh, yeah. because of all the obvious facts, really. Uh, if we go down to League One, it is it would be disastrous for us. Yeah. Um, yeah. What? Seeing that you've mentioned the the um, sort of like underlying stats behind the way we're playing at the moment. What is? What can you see there that is making you think that this is so much worse than it was under Critchley? What, what's well, the main problems? Sure. Um, well, just on a really kind of basic sense, if you look at the um, the XG numbers, and I, you know, and I've said this before on the podcast, I know, I know XG isn't everyone's um, cup of tea. I think that's been made pretty clear um, <laughs> in some of my interactions on Twitter. Um, but nonetheless, it does. It is a pretty good metric as to how um, you're truly performing on the pitch, and uh, you do a very simple kind of XG difference in uh, looking at you know expected goals minus expected goals against. Um, and you know I haven't actually updated the numbers uh, since uh, the, the end of the weekend, so um, not factoring in the Norwich game, we were about that that difference that expected goals versus expected goals against was about minus um, 0.5 per 90 with Critchley. It's about, um, or prior to Norwich, it was about minus 0.75 for Ainsworth. So just that automatically tells you that in terms of being um, uh, more um, creating chances or uh, or being more solid defensively, it's got worse. 
you know, I mean, we often talk about managerial bounces and, you know, you can, you can point to managerial bounces across football this season and in previous seasons. You can also point to a lot of other flops. I mean, goodness, it's not only him. Look at Chris Wilder at Watford, someone who I'm a big, big supporter of. Um, you look at what's happened at Chelsea with Lampard. You know, they, you don't, there's no guarantee of, um, of getting bounces from managers, but, it, it, but it's clearly got worse. There is also very clearly a lot of direct play and I'm not, I'm not a purist. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't really mind. I don't, I don't really mind how the, how the style is provided it generates results. And, um, but the, the passing percentages are absolutely appalling compared to what they were. We, we were, we were in the top six or seven in terms of passing accuracy um, earlier this season. And, um, we're now, you know, we're, our passing percentages yesterday, our passing accuracy was somewhere around 49%. So, I mean, that, uh, and it's because of the over-reliance on long ball. If, if you play a more direct long ball um, style, quite obviously the chances of those passes being successfully successful are lower than if you play a more, you know, on the ground short pass game. Um and you know it's because of this over reliance on long ball being direct, playing two very big target lads up front together. It's it, you know some of the numbers are are really poor from not just an outcomes level but on an aesthetic level. And I think again going forward, we'll come on to the old predictions about staying up, going down. I'm sure, but regardless of what happens this season, um. The club's going to have to make a judgment call on whether that kind of style is going to be tolerated. If it's not going to guarantee results going forward, I think I think that's a live discussion, and I think it's uh, something they'd be right to consider personally. Yeah, um, let's move on to the specifics of last night. Then uh, Norwich at home, there was a few changes. Uh, Jake Clark also came back in. Timmy Rabunum came back in as well. So there was a lot of, I kind of, when I heard that, I turned around to my dad and said, there's a lot of pressure on some weary glass bodies. Um, you know, there was, Laird's not there again, so Aaron Drew comes in, which I, I wasn't exactly uh, disappointed with. I think Drew's got that kind of energy and isn't so burdened with being a QPR first team player that, you know, that you kind of need a little bit of that naivety uh, sometimes. Um, who else? Who else started? Uh, Jamal Lowe as well. He actually, I thought, had a pretty good game, and he's been sort of hot and cold recently. He started off scoring and assisting, and that has died away. Um, but I thought last night he he was okay. He had a pretty big chance to make it two 0 but decided to chuck himself to the ground, which was uh, much the disgust of everyone around me. Couldn't quite believe it. Yeah, it's funny actually because everyone around me, uh, it was at the other opposite end of the ground from me, and um, were absolutely screaming at Keith Stroud at that moment. <laughs> uh, so um, yeah, it's funny how people interpret things when they when they're at games. I think there's a there's one thing you can moan at Stroud up last night. It was there was a pretty big penalty call in the second half. I from my position in the uh, South Africa road stand. Close to the lot end. That looked like that looked like a penalty. I can't can't remember who it was. I think it might even be low. Mm. But 
you know, it was a it was a bit of a key Stroud performance. He started off for me uh, refing the game kind of well, and I'm kind of thinking, yeah, he's actually he's not going to be too key Stroud tonight. But then he kind of flips halfway through the game, and stuff that was a foul in the first half suddenly isn't a foul. The yellow cards aren't appearing for the opposition, despite they're making the same amount of fouls as we are. Uh, and you're looking at it going, what on earth is happening here? Um, but, you know, that is what you, what else do you expect from him? Uh, let's talk about the the one definite positive then, Dykes' goal. A, a nice, tidy finish in the end. Um, and it, two examples in the last couple of games, this game and West Brom, if you actually put the ball into the box for him, into a sort of nice area, it's not floated in or something like that, he might actually score a goal. Who knew? Yeah, and once again, you know, Ilias Chair with um, with a nice assist there, and it's uh, a really well taken goal. I mean, he um, he had a lot of freedom in that box. To be fair, yeah. so so that that always helps. But um, no, nice finish. And you know what? In all in all of this kind of calamity that's happened over the last uh, few months, I think Lyndon Dykes and I was on the podcast first time and pretty down on Dykes generally because I think his finishing is not good enough really for the division. I think he does add a lot of other attributes, but um his finishing is 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 generally not not as high as it could be. And um but that was a really nicely taken goal and and yeah you're right it's there's that player is in there. That player is in there and um that works really nicely. And I think the, the issue is could we not, when we when we put a starting lineup together, could we not just have Dykes up there as the target man? Chris Martin doesn't need to be, you don't need two, two of them up mm. there. Um, can we just have Dykes with the likes of uh Chair and Willock, uh, which we might come on to, um uh kind of behind or or um Timur Abunan playing a bit more advanced, or uh, or even Tyler Roberts if if we should ever see him again. Um, <laughs> I don't think so somehow. <laughs> well, no, I know, I know. I know. I kind of I went big on the whole Balogun thing last time I was on here, and and we did see Balogun again, and that and look look how that panned out. Um, but uh, no, I, I think you know I'd like to. I, Lyndon Dice has been for me this season not not really the problem. I mean, points a few games earlier on in the season where he should have done better, but um, given what he's been through personally this year, I think. I'm, I'd give him a pass when I'm when I'm. I'm sure everyone will be handing out the report cards at the end of this, and it, there's not almost everybody at the club will have, you know, a, a, an F minus. But um, I'd give probably Lyndon Dykes. He's one of the few who I'd probably give a pass to, given what he's been through. And you can't question his commitment either. No. Um, he he works his socks off, and um, if nothing else, that is uh, very welcome. He's probably the only one, in, especially in the last couple of weeks, where the, his stock has actually risen rather than sort of definitely decreased. And you know what? When you, when you talk about the sort of, I, I guess it's a bit difficult as a um, as a striker because people just want to see you score goals. And I think we have said previously that he should be, in theory, he should be one of many strikers at the club that are able to be starting in particular games. And you know, you don't have to start him all the time and expect him to score all the goals. But it is bizarre you know someone who puts so much work in for the team and has done that consistently um doesn't quite get the love that say like a, a Sam Field does and like uh, I've been pretty vocal in he's a pretty good defensive midfielder but you know going forward if you want him to make a progressive pass it's it's not going to happen uh, but he seems to get away with quite a lot because he charges into a tackle 
Yeah, no, I don't think broadly, because I think a lot of Sam Fields, Sam Fields has been a really consistently good player over the last, since he joined the club. And if you remember, he was part of that group who joined. Um, he was one of the four loans, wasn't he? Yeah, he was one of the four loans, and they all of them really, um, even device to some extent, um, they all were part of the kind of resurrection, I guess, of Mark Walkman's tenure as manager and um, and Field played a key role in that. And I think that kind of, um, you know, that, that garners a lot of goodwill. And I think he's backed it up in a lot of other performances. I thought last season he was very good um, overall. And I think this season, again, if you're, if you're pointing fingers at people, which we, we inevitably have to, given what's happened, um, he's not one I'd probably be too down on. Yeah. Um, let's talk about one of his fellow midfielders then who came off the bench in the second half, Luke Amos. I found this a bizarre performance, kind of typical of Amos. It sort of had all the sort of attributes, like the good energy and pressing that caused problems, but then at ta- but then ultimately um the lack of quality and composure and the sort of the signs of a player that hasn't actually played, you know, like a game of football too often in the last couple of months specifically where he you know it's all summed up where he's charging down creates a chance out of nothing is one on one of the goalkeeper and puts it over the bar that would have been 2-1 and to be honest at that point could have you could make the argument to say that would have been a comprehensive uh scoreline for us to go on and win the game Oh yeah, yeah. No, I I agree about that. Um, and I think yeah, I think with Amos, I mean, again, I've I've said this before on here. I I I actually quite like him as a player. I really do. I think that the issues with Amos are not about is he technically gifted. It's about his injury record, which is pretty horrendous. Um, but I think there's I I I'll say it's still the council man. I think I think there's a player there who on the right kind of uh, contract. Um, He's, he's still an asset for the club and I know there are people who will debate that but um, but I really like him and I think with a bit of more match sharpness and, and, and the question is you know, can he ever get to that match sharpness because is he ever going to have a consistent enough run um, in the first team playing 90 minutes maybe, maybe not um, but if he is able to do that and if he can generate the kind of match sharpness there's a very good player there you know, at the end of last season, towards the end of last season he was... Um, He's probably up there as one of our best players, even again in another team which was, you know, doing really poorly. I think he was a he was a bright spark. But um yeah, so I'm pleased to see him play. Um I still think we can get something out of that. But again, he's got to be on the right sort of, as I say, the right contract <laughs> to uh, <laughs> ensure that we're not just paying <laughs> him five grand a week or whatever it, it will be, you know, just to not do anything for six months a year. But uh uh yeah, who can say? Uh the goal we conceded then, uh right after half time, they bring on uh Adam Ida, I think is how you say it. Uh and they just came at us a lot quicker, with a lot more pace, a lot more energy, and it was way too quick for Dunn and Clark Salter. Um, I mean, there was a couple of times in the first half where got Dunn got turned inside out by Josh Sargent. Um but yeah, when they got one on one with the centre backs, it was there was no chance. They were, they were so slow at turning around; it was clear what was going to happen. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think this is symptomatic of what's been happening recently. You know, we uh, we've often we've of course been conceding uh, 
lots of goals at the start of matches, you know, often within the first 10 minutes. And and what happened yesterday is something similar just in the second half, you know, not being dialed in as soon as the, you know, as soon as the whistle goes and being caught out by by a bit of a uh, by quality move by them. Um and um yeah that's that's been happening for weeks and weeks now about just not being switched on at the start of um halves basically. And um it's funny with Norwich because I um I was speaking to a couple of people before the game and I was I wasn't I wasn't um I wasn't predicting a win, but I, I wasn't um, as downcast as I was, you know, in terms of looking forward to the game or downbeat, I should say, um, before the game started. And I, because I felt as an opposition, they're in a bit of a poor place at the moment. I think they're, they're, um, they're, they're not going to get into the playoffs and um, their season is sort of fizzling out um, in contrast to like Coventry who are really hitting their strides at the right time and are, are very good um, or very well coached team. Didn't feel that was the case with Norwich, and I thought there was an opportunity um, uh, yesterday. And funnily enough, I had a, a mate of mine, uh, Norwich fan, was in the um, away end, and I messaged him at half time and said, uh, "I can't believe <laughs> I can't believe we're winning this game. You know, I can't believe you're you're actually behind to this QPR team." And he and he said that he felt they were on the beach basically. He, he, and I think if you'd w- looked at that first half performance. Norwich are pretty, I mean, flashes with O'Neill Hernandez, Josh Sargent, but really weren't dialed in particularly well. And I was pretty confident at halftime that we, you know, this would be another Watford, basically. Um, but they'd obviously had a good talking to and they came right at us. And yeah, we just can't deal with it. We're just not switched on and um, we're not uh, alive to situations. And also we have to accept as poor as Norwich have been by the standards they've probably set themselves this year. They're a lot better yeah. <laughs> than we are. And when you've got Josh Sargent and Ono Hernandez and um, the rest of it, if they are up for it, which they weren't really in the first half, but if they are up for it, you're probably going to get um, you're probably going to get your comeuppance. But uh, so I actually thought we did pretty well to hang on. I mean, again, I can bemoan the passing stats and long balls and whatever I'm, I'm i'm realistic enough to know that we're in a relegation battle we're not this is not about aesthetics in a relegation battle it's it's get the points however and um so uh maybe i'm being a bit uh, super harsh with the, the whole statistical thing but i thought we were pretty i thought we were lucky we we're probably lucky really to get away with it in the end but but nonetheless we um we at least put a shift in yeah, and be... sorry, go on. go on. I really think that it's not surprising though for me that the last three point or last three three games that we've had points, uh, Norwich, West Brom, Watford. Like, I mean, Watford. You see, last night they lost again, are an embarrassment to be honest. Uh, and they could be in the championship for quite a few seasons now. The same with West Brom; they are financially under pressure. And Norwich, you know, I would probably back Norwich to be the only one that could bounce back next season. With they seem to have a decent manager. There's talent there. If they keep it, who knows? But there's three teams there that their fans would have expected better at the start of the season. Their owners clearly would have expected better. And here they are having really poor seasons, struggling to get into the playoffs. Uh, they are kind of on the downward 
uh, spiral, I'd say. And it's difficult when you're that sort of yo-yo club to keep going because what's the incentive to being in the Premier League for Norwich? There's not much because they're not good enough to stay in there. Coventry have got it all ahead of them. And that you can see that in the way that they beat us. They want to be there. They want to be pushing at the right end of the table. I'm just ashamed that we don't have any more sort of failed Premier League clubs coming up, apart from obviously Burnley, but that's a different kettle of fish entirely. I think, I think, yeah, this it's quite interesting when you look at the games that we've done well in. I mean, it's, uh, you know, versus games we've done poorly in. Uh, and this is part of the reason why I was less um, bearish going into yesterday's game than I would be than I was before Coventry, um, for example, because um, just statistically, Norwich their recent form is not good. Um, their xG in the last six is 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 not particularly great either. Um, and you can just see that there is a lot of change coming there. Um, and then so consequently, you know, a bit like with QPR, you know, when you get these clubs who know that, you know, we're in this part of the season now where people are starting to look to the future, you know, not just a QPR, obviously, but at every other club. And I felt, as I said, I felt Norwich were there for the taking because they are in a bit more of a, they're not going up, like you say, and they're, they're going through a period of flux. Um, Watford are an absolute basket case of a club and this has been long overdue this kind of this kind of fall from grace because that ownership model is um horrendous and um although it's a shame for my i'm a i'm a big advocate for chris wilder and of course it's very easy to point at chris wilder and say oh he's failing at watford look at it um you know that that is a team that um it's full of people who just aren't going to be there next season so of course they're not going to perform um and it's very similar to ourselves you know we have i said this to you uh, last time i was on about we have a lot of players this was obvious back in january um that there are a lot of players there who knew they weren't going to be at the club um at our club next season and um how were we going to get performances out of these guys who were already um looking elsewhere at their futures and this is this is not just a problem for QPR. It's a problem for a lot of other clubs at this time of the season. Um, if you're not in the hunt for something uh, bigger, um, and this is actually why I'm. I don't know. Yeah, we might come on to predictions in a bit, but um, it's actually why I'm still not giving up hope in terms of our survival. Because if you look at who we're playing, forget the next game. The next game's a free hit. Um, it, you know, get anything. It's an absolute bonus. Um, but Reading are also playing Coventry away. So, do you know what? I don't see an awful lot of movement happening after the next weekend. The the two games after that are against teams who, again, seasons come to an end for them both, Stoke and Bristol City. And it's you just got to want it more. You know, we've just yeah. got to want it more than, than they do. Like, again, Stoke, another club. There'll be a lot of players in and out there um, and all the rest of it. So there are, there's... I'm not losing hope. That's my optimistic side kind of kind of coming up there. I think you have to be optimistic though, don't you? Like I mean, we all accept where we are, but you can't be so doom and gloom about it because it's still unbelievably with three games to go, still in our hands. I know we've used all up up our sort of like easier games, but you know, you never know. You, you never yeah. know. And that is it. That you you've got I'm to not, Yeah. I'm not you've just got to keep going. 
Yeah, I'm not. I I, I do agree. I mean, look I, I, look, I get why there's a lot of doom and gloom. I get why there's an awful lot of anger on social media. I get why things appear to be spiralling. You know, we've got we've got the we've got people accosting the CEO on the street and then him giving them the middle finger. We've got Les Ferdinand, his role, who knows? We've got very little production out of the academy. We've got, there's a lot of things going wrong, uh, a lot. And this season has been a, just an unmitigated disaster. So, I mean, I get why there is a lot of frustration. Um, nonetheless, I think to your point, it actually almost, again, forget the next game. The, those last two games, anything can happen in those. The, the team have been appalling. And if they stay up and finish, what is it, 21st, yeah, like you said earlier, let's not get out of the bunting and start thinking we're, you know, yeah, yeah, it's quite John Sitton, Bertie Big Bollocks. It's not, we're not that, you know, that's no one should be coming away from this season if we stay up, um, saying we've done well, that the manager's done well, that the club have done well. It, it is complete opposite, and there needs to be a massive, massive, um, inquest at that club if there isn't already from the owners to identify what needs to change next summer and that could be a lot of people a lot of people involved who are currently involved in the football club who need to you know be on review as far as i'm concerned uh regardless of whether we stay up um yeah interesting times ahead very quickly then um burnley we've only got five minutes left yeah i think the consensus is that like you said it's a free hit but there's one thing that keeps on happening with Burnley is that they've drawn the last two games against teams they should absolutely schmuzzle, really. Um, and, you know, they've got the... They can't win it this weekend, I don't think. They can't win a title this week because Sheffield United are... Or maybe they um, can, I'm not quite sure. Because Sheffield United aren't playing. They've got a cup match. Uh, well, I thought they could. I thought it was basically if they won... Um, maybe it's sort of like all but confirmed if they won. Where they'd won the title. Um, well, no, re- re- regardless, it's going to be... Look, I don't think Vincent Company sends his teams out <clears throat> to not win. I think he's got to yeah. win his mentality. Um, look, that said, I saw some of the highlights from the game against Rotherham. Um, it was... Uh, I noticed they had Bailey Peacock Farrell in goal rather than the, the guy who's been the number one all season. And um, he didn't cover himself in glory, so... I don't know. Maybe they are trying out a few of the of the more reserve type players. Who knows? Look, whatever. It, it's a free hit for us. As I say, the issue is Reading and um, and Huddersfield and, and Cardiff. Uh, although I think the Cardiffs win, I'd probably say that they're going to sail away from us. It's really about Reading, and again, they're playing Coventry away. Um, I mean, look, <laughs> if you're telling me the Reading are going to go and we beat Coventry. I'm sorry, I just won't have it. Uh, if they do, fine. But I think it's all about Stoke and Bristol City. I think, I think, provided we don't get an absolute pasting on Saturday, um, we uh, we should go into those last two games, uh, hopefully with it still being in our hands. And we've just got to know that if we put a shift in against those kind of teams, and I, and I don't care what people say about this, when your season is finished up and you know there's going to be a lot of churn at the club, uh, as will be the case certainly in Stoke. There's an opportunity there. There's an opportunity there. But um, but we got to want it, and that's been lacking uh, a lot over the last yeah. not just few weeks, but few months. So um, time to show up, and then um, and then we have the inquest in the summer. Last thing to say is that uh, I I did a little preview for a Burnley podcast, and I said on that 
surely you guys would much rather win the championship against Blackburn, your biggest rivals. You don't want, you don't need to win this weekend. Just a little bit of charity would be nice. No, no. What they want, what they, what they probably want more is for the guard of honour. Uh, Ewood, wherever they're playing, <laughs> is, I, don't know if it's Bar, but I think it is Ewood. Bar. Yeah, uh, they want the guard of honour. That's what they want. So they do want to win the title beforehand. So, um, so there we are. Uh, yeah, look, just put a shift in. You never know. No one's got any expectation. So yeah, don't get a mauling. But other than that, there's no expectation going to that. Play with a bit of freedom. And I know people don't like that when the manager says that. I've got a lot of issues with what the manager says and how he's framing things at the moment. But I do get that idea about shackles being off in that kind of game. I, that, that's just true. No one expects to get results. So let's have a go. That's all we can say. Well, we'll I think we'll wrap it up there. Steve, it's been yeah, fantastic right. to have you back on. Thank you very much for coming on and talking through all this uh, very... Oh, I don't know what the word is. Depressing, I guess. It is depressing at times, QPR, especially this season. Uh, but thank you very much. And thank you for listening. Uh, you can follow our generation, uh, our generation net, uh, and you can find both of us on Twitter as well. Uh, so uh, we'll be back next week. And until next time, come on, you are.